Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 91st official episode. Today we're talking about round two of the NBA playoffs. Series are just getting underway. We had game two of Bucks Nets last night. We had game one of Suns Nuggets last night. We also had game one of 76ers versus Hawks. And tonight, I believe, is game one of Clippers and Jazz. So, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference first. For sure. Give me your predictions. Give me your analysis to game one of Sixers versus Hawks. Let's just talk about it. So, I actually didn't get the chance to watch Sunday Sixers versus Hawks. So, I, I, I can't speak too much to like the, the details of this game. Um, obviously, I was surprised, along with pretty much every other NBA fan, that when I checked the box score at halftime, it was like 74-54, and Trey Young at 25 points in the first half. Um, now, as as Knicks fans, we watched every, we watched five games of Trey Young tearing it up. Yeah. Um, so I, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he's continuing to do so he against dropped, the 76ers. He dropped 35 and 10. Yeah, against, ridiculous. Against one of the best defensive teams in the league. But... It still is. I, I think I think he will forever be sort of like an underdog in the minds of NBA fans, partially just because like he's small and like weird looking and, and like like I don't know like he just like he looks like like frail and like little, um, and yet he's just like he's, tall, more, like, he's like, taller like, and stronger than you. Yeah, well, true, true, but but for my four NBA, yeah, players, I, know, I know, I know, I know, and um, and he but he's one of the most skilled players in the NBA, and and he's continuing to prove that at least offensively. Um, like really that, has become like an ensemble force in the playoffs. Another thing about this is Joel Embiid was not supposed to play, and so and he was healthy. Yeah, he was partially torn meniscus, and he showed up. And I was thinking like, oh, he might be on a minutes restriction. He might not. He might not be a hundred percent. Played thirty eight minutes and he scored thirty nine points. So actually, so, arguably had a better game than Trey Young, right? Like yeah, I, just just based off points alone, he had a better game than Trey Young. Yeah, and so um, like. For me, I'm like, oh, there, there's no reason why they should have lost this game. Like, yeah. I, I would have thought that 76ers would close out in, like, five. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would have said five. I probably was at 76ers in six before this series. But here's the thing, is I, I would have guessed one of the big problems that with the... with the, One of the big reasons that Trey was able to go off against the Knicks is our perimeter defenders kind of limited. Like, our... Our backcourt, you know, we, we basically totally cut Alfred Payton out of the rotation, which um, he was probably our best point guard defender. Um, after, after like, game one and two, we totally cut him out of the rotation. Derrick Rose, and we, and we basically cut him out to give Derrick Rose more minutes, and Derrick Rose is playing, like, 40 minutes a game the whole series. And he was out, obviously going absolutely bananas on offense, but Derrick Rose, especially at this point in his career, is no defensive stopper. You know... We have Frank Nielakina, and, and if you'll remember, in, in Game 1, they put Frank Nielakina on for one possession to stop Trey Young. Totally got his ankles blown apart for Trey Young to hit the game-winning floater. Oh my god, that was so, so the, bad. The Knicks didn't have the perimeter defenders, I would argue. I mean, we started playing Reggie Bullock on him. Even that isn't the best matchup to stop Trey Young. I would have thought that the, the, the 76ers did. Put Joel Embiid, or, or you know, or put Matisse Thybul on, on Trey Young, and what is Trey Young going to do? Joel Embiid? I meant Ben Simmons, sorry. Oh, okay. I meant put... Ben Simmons or Matisse Thybulle on on Trey Young, and what yeah. is Trey Young going to do? That's what I would have thought. Yeah, exactly. I thought I thought Matisse Thybulle, Even Danny especially Green. Matisse is quicker too because he's mm-hmm. smaller, but he's still you know he's still bigger than Trey Young. Yeah, I thought that that would have been the clamps. And you know, like I'm looking at the box score, and I'm like, man, the 76ers like they scored 124 points. Like no one really had a bad offensive game at all for them. 
It just, I think it was too little, too late, though. From from yeah. from what I heard, and, and, and once again, I didn't I didn't watch yeah. the game, so I can't speak too much to this. But I heard that the the seventy sixers played with an urgency and like a drive in the fourth quarter that made it interesting that they just didn't have in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The, the Hawks were up twenty for like th- the first three quarters. And so, what's going to need to be different from this point on for the seventy sixers? is that they're going to need to come out going 110% from the first second. Because if we've seen anything from the Hawks this playoffs, that's what they do, is, they, the, is they give it their all from, from the jump. They'll, they'll, in the first mm-hmm. two minutes, they'll, they'll punch you in the face. They'll, exactly. They'll, they'll get you on the lip. And so I think that Doc Rivers is a good enough coach to where he might be able to make the adjustments that would help the 76ers recover in this series. So... Like, like I said, before, like we both were saying, before the series, we would have said 76 years and 5 or 76 years and 6. I'm still going to say at this point in the series, the 76 years are the favorites, and I would pick them in 7. I, at, at still, yeah. still right now, I'm picking 76 years and 7. Honestly, I think that they will eventually get a solution to Trey Young. Yeah. I, I think that they, I, I have them winning in like 5, maybe mm-hmm. 6. No, 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 no. no. Do I think they're going to win the next four games? No. If you would have asked me before this win, I would have said 76ers and 5. Now I'm saying 76ers and 6. I think they'll definitely figure this out. They are the more talented team, and they are the team that has played together for longer, better chemistry, uh, and they're relatively older, I would, I would probably say. Yeah. So that's that's our answer for 76ers versus Hawks. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Let, let, me, say, let me say one more thing about the Hawks, which okay. is that I think right now we're hearing a lot of talk about the Dallas Mavericks, right? And this this Trae Young versus Luka Doncic comparison is going to continue for the rest of their careers because obviously they were traded for one another on draft night. There's a lot of talk right now about since the Dallas Mavericks were eliminated in Game Seven against the Clippers, they blew that 2-0 lead when they won the first two games on the road against L- like in the Staples Center against LA. Um, but people are now kind of calling for Chris Porzingis's head, are calling for Mark Cuban and Rick Carlisle's head, and they're saying like. This team has to do a better job of building around Luka Doncic. They, he doesn't have a good enough co-star. He doesn't have good enough, you know, wings, perimeter threat, perimeter threats, uh, defensive stoppers. Like it's just not a good enough team. Is basically the argument that he needs a better center. He like he just needs everything around everything around Luka Doncic is just not good enough. You have to give a ton of credit to the Atlanta Hawks, Travis Schlenk, for the team that they put around Trey Young for this season. Yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, Clint Capella. It was it was like Rondo, uh, but they traded Rondo. Gallinari, Lou Williams, John um, Collins. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. been. There. I'm thinking, been yeah, like yeah, this just year, specifically this season. Yeah, like, a whole new team from last year. Yeah, I mean, they did a midseason trade for Clint Capella last year, but they have shot creators in in Bogdanovich and in Gallinari. I would say like second and third shot creators that that like teams like, like the Mavericks don't, for example. Um, yeah, that's true. Even Kevin Herter for it's just like. Has been not was knocked down against the Knicks, and, and I would assume was knocked down against 76ers if the Hawks felt this game as well. Um, this, the Hawks just have a lot more offensive weapons and a true defensive stopper and like pick and roll threat at the center position in Clint Capella that I think Luka Doncic would be jealous of. Um, and so it's interesting to see that as there's all this talk about the Dallas Mavericks not doing enough, the Hawks are. are performing quite well on the other side of, of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, I, I would argue that the West is just so much harder that the Dallas Mavericks sure. would have made it out of the first round of the East as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, good good job to the Atlanta Hawks. 
moving on to now now for real moving on to the the Brooklyn Nets versus Milwaukee Bucks series I am floored yeah. by the fact that not without only, James Harden without James Harden yeah not only is it 2-0 Brooklyn Nets not even close like it, two two like, blowouts yeah after the first quarter of both of these games the game has been over yeah yeah after last night after the first six minutes of the game the Bucks were down 14. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, I feel like a lot of people are just kind of baffled because it's, it's not just, like, one issue either. It's, like, they are not playing good defense and their offense looks so awkward. It looks like they're the first time they're ever this playing the with box. one. Yeah. yeah. looks like their offense, it's the first time they're ever playing with one another. Chris Middleton couldn't hit a shot for his life until halfway through that, that last game when the game was already over. Um, and, and not only that, he's like not taking good shots either. There was one possession which I think has kind of encapsulated the Milwaukee Bucks this far in the series. It was that like you come down and right away you get into a Chris Middleton. He's the ball handler. Giannis comes set and sets him a screen, and then Giannis kind of just like slowly rolls, like not not like not hard at all. Mm-hmm. He just. And Chris Middleton doesn't even look at him. Takes like a weird left-handed out-of-control floater that doesn't even hit the rim. And I'm like, that's not that's not the offense that it, that that won you like 55 games this year. It, it it felt clunky and it just feels out of shape. The one guy who has been kind of like killing it and just getting quality shots has been Drew Holiday, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like he he. Can you, like, get it at the three-point line? And he'll, like, make, like, a double crossover and then hit, like, a floater off the glass or he'll get to the rim. He, he had he had 13, which, like, given... I, like, I don't have the, like, his, his like, shots pull-ups. So I don't know, like, what he shot from the field. I, I'm, like, I'm just going... If, if that's the argument, then he's not shooting enough. Like, yeah. that's, that's the other thing. Is, uh, like, like, going based off of the eye test, yeah. he's the only guy where it's like, okay, like, we are... We're so awkward right now. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna run like a like a like a ball screen or like a dribble handoff to Drew and he's gonna get it in his flow and he's gonna like take a floater and then that like whenever Drew Holiday scored it felt like oh that was a that was a pretty basket but yet it it didn't feel lucky whereas there's a lot of times where the Bucks score it feels lucky whenever Giannis hits a three which is not often it feels lucky and mm-hmm. he there there was twice last game where he dribbled down the court stopped did not pass anyone the ball and shot a three pointer. That's a bad possession. That's a bad possession for Giannis. And I'm saying that because he's just, you know, he's a beast at the rim and he's a beast getting to the rim. But there there are numerous times where he shoots or he shoots in mid-range without moving the ball. And I'm like, dude, you realize that every time you you shoot a shot outside the paint, the Nets are happy. Like the the Nets are like, we succeeded on that defensive possession whether it went in or not. Um, A few things, like... I, I, I think that like for the most part I, I like what you were, what you're saying I one of the big things for the box was that in game one they shot six for 30 from three 20 percent terrible for for a team that is gen, that was generally over the past you know three seasons has been a pretty good three-point shooting team awful game two so and so I think part of part of people were like okay they only lost game one by eight and they shot 20 percent from three game two it'll be better because they're not gonna go they're not gonna shoot that poorly from three again. Game two, they come out, eight for 27 from three. Not even 30% from three. You're not going to win against the Nets if you're shooting sub 30% from three, is, is, is part of the story. So the biggest, like, maybe one of the biggest things for the, for the Bucks' offense is just, 
It's not just Giannis missing his threes. It's everybody missing their threes. Another thing, Chris Middleton has not been playing well. He was a big part of the reason that in game one, they were six for 30 from three. In game two, he came out and missed his first eight shots. He started 0 for 8 from the field. I think one of the differences between last season and this season in, in, in why I picked the Bucks to beat the Heat in six and why I was a little more confident about, about them in the playoffs this year, or I consider them a more real contender, outside of the fact they have Drew Holiday, which is great, um, was that I think they've been more creative in the ways that they've been using Chris Middleton and Giannis. Giannis is, they're using Giannis better as an off-ball threat and, and so it's it I think part of the problem is that Giannis gets one dimensional when he has the ball at the top of the key. Yeah. They can wall up, they can just have everybody stand at the free throw line or lower and dare him to shoot, like you were saying. I think Giannis in some cases has to take that three because he has to just make it a threat or it's series over. Like if Giannis I don't think it's series over if Giannis doesn't shoot threes though. The the nets are too good for if 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 the Nets defense can just pack the paint right, enforce contested sh- shots at the rim, it's series over because because the Nets are going to score every time down on the other on the other side is what it feels like. But so that that's part of it. So with but but what I think you have to give the Bucks credit for is that they've made up for the fact that in the past couple of years Giannis has gotten kind of stopped going to the basket by like the Raptors and the Sixers and whoever. It's like now they're forced. Now they've been using him more creatively as an off-ball threat, as the roller in the pick and roll, or you know, sending him dives in the basket, getting him post touches, things like that. I think they've been doing a better job of getting him the ball in the paint, um, and then using Chris Chris Middleton as sort of like the lead ball handler in a lot of situations. So like earlier earlier in the season, I noticed uh, that that like coming down the stretch of games, they would just give the ball to Chris Middleton instead of to Giannis, yeah. and then. Sometimes they would get the ball to Giannis from Chris Middleton, but it would usually start in Chris Middleton's hands. So I kind of like that, even though, like you said, like Chris Middleton has taken some bad shots. Mostly he's just been missing. You know, so that's a big part of it is, um, is that. But even Giannis has a baskets last night that looked easy or easy-ish because the truth is that the, 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 the Nets don't have the interior defenders to stop Giannis and Brooke Lopez. They yeah, just straight that's up true. Don't. That's true. So what what's been happening is you have Nick Claxton guarding yeah. Giannis, and he, he just kind of walls up in the paint, and that's been like sort of effective because he's like he's big and strong. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kevin Durant, or you have like Bruce Brown or Joe Harris, or or like like a, like a wing guarding seven foot, really broad and and strong Brooke Lopez. Yeah, and they've haven't really been attacking that. Like, I think Brooke Lopez with Joe Harris on him is two points every time. At, at the minimum. You'd like to think so, yeah. And and I think I think he has that capacity. They just haven't really given, actually, given him the chance. They've been they've been using him a lot less as a stretch five this playoffs though. They have oh, been they okay. have been setting him to yeah, the paint, so, but so I, what? I agree. Is is I think that if you're the if you're the Bucks, you've gotta notice like they shouldn't be able to stop uh Giannis and Giannis attacking the basket and Brooke Lopez with his back to the basket. Yeah, like like just make the, make them pay mm-hmm. for not having two actual big men out there because a lot of times it's Giannis guarding KD and you just don't have a center out there. So that that should be that should be you, you should pay you should make them pay for that because one thing that they're also not really making them pay they paid for it in game one but not game two. Uh, you should be out rebounding the Nets by fifteen. 
every game. You should be out rebounding the offense, the yeah. offensive glass by like ten every game. Well, here's an, here's another thing: is is the Bucks? No matter what the Bucks do on offense, they have to be really damn efficient with it, right? So so we could talk all day about what their offensive strategy should be, but the problem is that in game two, the the Nets shot fifty percent from three. In game one, I, I don't know what the stat was. I'll, I'll double check, but same thing. Felt like they couldn't miss, right? Um, they shot th- okay, thirty-seven point five percent from three in, in game one, and then it was closer. But you know, then the Bucks shot twenty. So difference there. The, it feels like for long stretches of this game, the Nets can't miss. Um, yeah, and, and it's not just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in game one. It was bro. Why is Joe Harris Blake so Griffin, good? It was Joe Harris. <laughs> He's so good. We could have a whole other conversation about this. But you're a you're, fanboy of Joe Harris because okay, this dates back to. Last season or the season before, you tried to tell me that Joe Harris was one of the most overpaid players in the NBA because he was getting paid $20 million a year. Yeah, I mean, like, I still think he's overpaid. So, so incorrect. I still think he's overpaid. Dude, you're out of your damn mind. Okay, and this is the argument. This is a, And please listen to me, everybody at home, and please listen to me, Connor Yeelan. Joe Harris is being t- paid $20 million a year. Every team in the NBA should be willing to do that because... I think that your argument is mostly that Joe Harris is replaceable, right? That 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 what he provides is replaceable. Wrong. It's not replaceable. He's like third in the NBA in three point percentage. I don't know. What, I don't know if he's actually third. He's like top five consistently. He's one of the statistically. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA every single year. And it's not just Duncan Robinson. He's not just Duncan Robinson though, where all he can do is shoot threes. Because even that is really valuable, by the way, in, in the modern NBA. He also can in some cases create his own shot. He can play defense. He can pass. He can dribble. He can attack the basket a little bit. Like he creates offense, makes his teammates better, plays defense. He does things besides just hitting threes. And so I would argue, even compared to the JJ Reddick, Kyle Korver, uh, Duncan Robinsons of the of the world, if that's how you think of Joe Harris, you're putting him in too much of a box. Joe Harris does way more than that, and he is the fourth best player in this team, right? And and yeah. and would be a starter on that every single team in the NBA would love to have. Okay, I, I'm just getting caught not up on overpaid, the 20, not the overpaid million, million number. We were just talking about before this before we started recording this episode that Mikel Bridges is asking for a max. He's going to get a max from somebody from okay, some but team in the NBA. Every team would rather have would rather pay Mikael Bridges that. By the way, the reason Mikael Bridges is going to get a max if he gets it is because he's also 23. So teams want him mm-hmm. for the next five years as well. Joe Harris is better than Mikael Bridges. Is, you think you think Joe yeah. Harris is is more value? Do you do you think the the, the he, right today? He's do you think the Phoenix Suns would rather have Joe Harris or Mikael Bridges? I think they would rather have for Mikhail this Bridges. playoff run. I think they would rather have Mikael Bridges. I don't know because of the defense. Potentially, it, it, there is a team fit thing because because of the defense, yes. right? Like like the Suns might need the perimeter defense, and but the Nets also so need the, the Nets perimeter, perimeter defense for that matter too. Yeah, um, I think the I think the only the only reason that really. Like I, I, I would t- I would say that Joe Harris is. Pro- <laughs> they're really they're both. This is hard because I'm such Got big him. fans of both of them. Oh you know, yeah, you, you know, are. It's like you like are. I have so much of a soft spot for Mikel Bridges. I just watched him drop 23 last night. We'll get into that. But like, that's a hard that's a hard thing for me to for me to say. I think part of the <laughs> part of the Mikel Bridges upside though thing though is is that he's young, right? And so he's going to get a max because he's younger than than Joe Harris too. Joe Harris is almost 30. Um, Joe Harris is not overpaid. That's a whole. That's a whole other tangent. Um, this this Nets team, even without James Harden, is going to beat the Bucks in how many games? 
I am going to have faith in my Milwaukee Bucks. I say my Milwaukee Bucks. They're like my third favorite team in the league. Uh, I think they will beat the Bucks in six. Which is like pretty generous. So like the they're, they're just taking two of the next like <laughs> two of the next three games. Yeah. No, I, I, I gave the Bucks one, and I feel like that was like maybe a little more generous. Like I, it was between four and five for me. Um, Context: We are actually going to Game Five if it if happens. It, if, yeah, if it happens at Barclays uh, at Barclays Center. Um, shout out to the Regis Alumni Network. Um, <laughs> we. Dude, that would be that, dude. That would be so bad if they get swept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be so bad if they get swept. So, so I'm actually hoping that the Bucks will steal one. Totally, uh, totally. in Milwaukee. So, we can go. so that, yeah, and I say steal like they're, they're like this is the three seed playing at home, and I'm like the steal. Oh, yeah, because, no. because before the series, we were like, we, we were like, dude, this is pro- we're probably gonna witness like the best series of the playoffs. Like the, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought. That. Really? I, I, no, I, no. I, I, I would have. That. I would have before the series that thought I would say Brooklyn in six. Now, given that was also with James Harden healthy, but I, I thought it'd be closer than it has been because of the Giannis and Brook Lopez thing that I was talking about before. Like I didn't think the Nets were going to match up with them. But my overall point with this whole series is Giannis. The Nets can't stop Giannis and Brook Lopez on defense, and it doesn't matter. They'll just still outscore the the Bucks um, if what we've been seeing continues. All right, their Western. ball movement's too good. Their shooting's too good. Their shot creation's too good. They're just unstoppable on offense. Okay, calm down. Western Conference, Clippers versus Jazz. Yeah. Game one is tonight, I believe. Yeah. That's gonna be very exciting. Talk to me. I think it's going seven, and I'm gonna take the Clips in seven. Um, Interesting. I feel like this this could go so many ways because no. because the the Clippers have the best and arguably second best player in the series. Right, yeah. But yeah, they also probably had the best player in last series, and definitely had the third best player in last series. Like, and, and, and it, it almost didn't matter, right? Because they uh-huh. they almost lost. They were they were down two zero. They were down three two. I don't necessarily think that like best play. Like, I think if you're just counting like who's got the best player, it doesn't always like work. Yeah, it doesn't that, always doesn't work. Like, but yeah. I, I don't know. I think for the playoffs in particular, I think it's a solid metric for a seven-game series where you can counter and counter the counter and counter the counter the counter. So, but, but anyways, Clippers versus Jazz. Right. So uh, with the Clippers, you obviously you, you, you have the best player. And I think that matters if you're talking about in a game seven or even just in a close playoff game versus a good defensive Jazz team or, and a good defensive Clippers team. You have the guy who can make the tougher shots in Kawhi Leonard, yeah. right? And Donovan Mitchell has showed up in the playoffs. He's a bucket getter. I the thing I, I understand what you're saying about the best player thing. The the thing I would say about this Jazz team though is is all season on offense they've been like win by committee. They're just like the best three point shooting team in the NBA. Okay. And, and well, it's made them the best team in the NBA. Once again I go to twenty fifteen Atlanta Hawks. They had four all stars, none of them averaged over seventeen this isn't a game the, this and they isn't got swept. The, but everybody, everybody knew that the 2015 Atlanta Hawks weren't going to be as good in the playoffs as they were in the regular season, I feel like. I, okay, I also think people doubt the Jazz. Yeah, people doubt the Jazz, too. I would say I don't think this is... This team is way better defensively than that than that, than that Hawks team was. The, the Hawks team was, yes. like, all offense. I mean, they had Al Horford, and, and, like, Al Horford was a great defender at that point. But, like, I had no faith in that in that Hawks team. I have a little more faith in this Jazz team. Um I think I think they're such a good three point shooting team that like, and they have really good ball movement. So the fact that that the the Clippers have 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who are two great like one-on-one defenders, isn't as important as if you were going against a team that is more just like single star focused. As in, I think that that having those two guys is a lot more useful against Luka Doncic than it is against the Jazz. Is what I'm is what I'm saying on defense, um, because for the for the reason we were just talking about before, where the Mavericks have to run any everything through Luka, having great one-on-one defenders, which Kawhi and Paul George are two of the best one-on-one defenders in the perimeter in the NBA. Um, and and the Jack, so you put him on you put him on Donovan Mitchell and you put him on Mike Conley for example. You still have to worry about Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles. Like there's always somebody else that's 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 a danger on on offense for the Jazz. Um, it, the the counter argument is like the Clippers defensive rating is great, so they're actually probably a, a very good defensive team overall, not just because of those two guys, but I. Even though I, I think that when it comes down to the end of a game, you're right. It becomes one-on-one play more and more. And I think that's why the people doubt the Jazz is because all season they've played as a team. They have great team defense and great team offense. They don't necessarily have the, like, one takeover star. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, who's guarding Kawhi Leonard? Like, Royce O'Neal? Joe Ingles? Yeah, it, but that's that's the thing with the Jazz. It's like their entire defense revolves around Rudy Gobert. And so it's just the idea that Nobody in the Clippers is going to want to go in the paint because Rudy's there. But Kawhi makes his living at the three-point line. At like like what one step past the three-point line or in the mid-range? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that will hurt his production as much as you would think. Yeah. Um, though they're probably going to funnel him into the paint, though. Yeah. I just think this Clippers team, when it comes down to it, is really resilient. Um, in Kawhi Leonard, in in particular, like. I feel like Kawhi Leonard has a tendency to like go to Game Sevens and like pull it out and just like make things happen, and I think he's going to do that again here. Overall, the trend I would say for this year is that the Western Conference is wide open, especially since the Lakers were eliminated. All four of these teams have never won a championship in their franchise's history. Oh my God, that's true! Wow, yeah. Clippers, Jazz, Suns, and Nuggets—none of none have won a championship, and that's berserk. Are teams that? A few years ago, you would never have expected to be here. It's it's a really like exciting. Oh, by the way, you, say, like, by the way, you could say the exact same thing for the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Hawks. Never All, expect them to be there. Be here. 76ers, yeah. Nets, and Bucks were the three worst teams in the league three years ago. Yeah, right, five years ago, let's say. Yeah, this is this is a really fun playoffs, and I, and I know that that TV ratings and whatever might suffer from no Steph Curry and LeBron James. Personally, I'm loving it. Like the fact that that. Both but both sides feel like we're gonna have somebody new that we're gonna have something like unexpected is, is cool. Um, part of the reason I'm, I'm going with the Clippers here also is I picked them before the se- before the playoffs started to be my like Western Conference champion. That was what my gut told me, and it's still telling me that. Um, in a wide open West, I think this team is the most. I don't want to say the most proven because they're they're not like, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> right, but they have the most proven playoff player um, in, in Kawhi Leonard. Two-time finals MVP. So give me give me the clips in this series and, and I've still got them going going to the going to the finals. Still got the Nets coming out of the final coming out of the East too. So so my my two winners from, from before the playoffs started are still my two winners as of right now. <laughs> my two are about to be out. I I, I had Bucks and Lakers <laughs> yeah. in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, so I guess we move. Are you? Do you, are you got anything else for that? Or? Yeah, I need to give a prediction. Dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I am going. Cause I, I have a thing. Like if 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 Jazz Clips goes Game Seven, Clippers are winning. 
Yep. I think... Although, Clippers blew the 3-1 lead to the to the Nuggets. So did the Jazz. That's true. That is true. That is true. That is true. I guess I'm saying the Clippers are yes. going to be the most reliable Game 17, even though they won Game 7 against the Mavs. But, yes, I, I see what you're saying. Bro, both of these teams blew a 3-1 to the Nuggets. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but I feel like the Jazz have it in them. I think the Jazz have it in them. So, I'm saying... Given that the Clippers did struggle heavily last round, I think that I'm buying into the Donovan Mitchell train. Maybe I'm being influenced by mm. our good friend Edwin Ortiz, but <laughs> I think I'm going Jazz and six. Jazz and six. Jazz and six. Because I think if it goes seven, Ooh. I think Clippers are going to win. So you have to pick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So I'm going Jazz. No, I mean. Talk about best series in the playoffs. I think that these, that this, this honestly could be one of them, and and I think the the Maverick series was was up there too. Um, even though I think it, at times for for Maverick fans especially, would it must have been frustrating to watch um, with no with no like Kristaps being quiet. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just say. Anyways, Suns versus Nuggets. Yeah. This is I have no idea what to do with this one. The yeah, Suns, I agree. The, the Suns won pretty thoroughly last night versus the Nuggets. I crashed on my couch as it was starting yeah. so I didn't watch it the West Coast games kill me I don't know yeah the, um, the, the, 10, the 10 o'clock start for, for, for a couple of East Coast kids is, is rough like you yeah. know staying up till 1230 to watch this I, I stayed up for the, I stayed up for the whole thing I missed like you know after halftime I was like I, I don't even know but like I, I like missed like a like most of the third quarter but like watched the whole game otherwise um, yeah so I'm trying to think like Suns versus Nuggets. The Suns were really convincing, but the Nuggets were also pretty convincing in in round one because they both played like good teams and they both beat them in six. Mm. And before I, this, uh, before the series, I, I would know. have said I would have said Suns in seven. And I don't know whether this game one changes that because I would have expected the Suns to take game one. Um, but but. I would say that they won game one pretty convincingly, which also makes me a little bit nervous. I guess I'm actually still going to say Suns in seven. I'm saying Suns in six. I think, I think yeah. again, I think they have more shot makers, and I think they have a more well-rounded team. I think the Nuggets, I was surprised the Nuggets got out of round one. I thought, I thought, I thought the Blazers were going to win. It just happened that the, the, that the Blazers had no one to guard Nikola Jokic, especially when Enos Kanter got in foul trouble. Or sorry, sorry, not when Enos Cantor got in foul trouble. Enos Cantor was a revolving door on defense uh, when Yusuf Nurkic got in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Nuggets still have flaws to me. I feel like their their bench has a lot of holes, and I feel like a lot of it is just kind of like Michael Porter Jr. making tough shots. Yeah. And I feel like the Suns have a lot less holes, and so that's why I'm going Phoenix Phoenix and six. So I've 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 Jazz and six and Phoenix and six. Yeah, I, I'm I'm stuck between I was stuck between some Suns and and seven or six. I, I'm glad I went seven now just because you said six. Um, and also, I'm a like in the same way that you're a Bucks fan third. I'm a I'm a Nuggets fan third because yeah, just cause purely based off of Jokic. Um, look, the the story of Game One to me was how good DeAndre Ayton was, and it was DeAndre Ayton like. For, for as much as people questioned when he was coming into the NBA, his motor and his hustle and the effort he would give on defense, 
damn, bro. Like he played, he played Jokic like really well. And <laughs> and if you go look at the box sheet, it's like a box score tie. Like they 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 both put up like twenty two and ten. Like it was like tie. Um, and a lot of that was just like. I think Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer did a video. He has a series called The Void where he does, like, breakdowns. Not that Kevin O'Connor and The Ringer need a shout-out, but I'm giving them a shout-out. Um, go watch that video. It's DeAndre. It's, it's just about, like, DeAndre Ayton and how he's made a jump this playoffs. And I totally noticed it in this, in this game one. Kevin O'Connor was saying that DeAndre Ayton has gone from a guy that you questioned his hustle and his motor to now he's the one for the Suns that is setting the tone of hustle and motor he's the first one back on the back on defense and you know he's he's getting out there for loose balls and grabbing every rebound and doing this and that and and it was and it was clear against against Jokic that like at times he looked like he wanted it more and was just like winning the effort battle um because I I I, Jokic is is obviously the more skilled and better player because he's the MVP this season and you know, maybe DeAndre Ayton will catch up one day because he's still got potential as the former number one overall pick. But this is a really fun matchup that I'm excited to watch six more games of because I think that DeAndre Ayton is proving a lot about his himself as a, as a player and, like, his character and his growth already. Um, and Jokic isn't taking advantage of the fact that he's got a, a center on him that I think a lot of people doubted coming into the playoffs. I think... Yeah. If it, before before this before this playoffs and before people were talking about this jump that DeAndre Ayton has made, I would have said about this about and if you had told me this, these two teams were going to match up in the second round, it would have been like, well, DeAndre Ayton's going to struggle to keep up with Jokic. That's the, that's the truth of it. Because um, defense, you know, offensively he's got he's got talent, he's got skill, but can he keep up on defense? So far, yes. One game in, yes. And you know, Chris Paul took over in like the third quarter, third and fourth quarter. Finished with like twenty one and ten. I think he had like fourteen in the fourth quarter. Um, but the and, and and even Devin Booker had like a relatively quiet night for him, right? Coming off a forty seven point game, he only put up like twenty one. But Mikel Bridges, our boy that we were talking about earlier, was the leading scorer for the Suns. If the Suns keep having games where it's got the guys like DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges and Cameron Payne and Jay Crowder are stepping up. The Nuggets can't match that. The Nuggets don't have the same depth that the, that the Suns do. Also, if, if I was going to pick anyone in the league to guard Michael Porter Jr., it might be Mikael Bridges. He can match the length. Yeah, he can, yeah. He can match the length. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, I think you have to give a lot of... And this is this is why Chris Paul was third on my MVP list. And, and I know that, like, <laughs> Connor Young doesn't like this. But... Yeah, he well, had a better season than Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, well, Chris Paul himself, like you might, you might look at twenty-one points, and be like, ah, oh, he didn't, like he didn't necessarily come out to play. I think that this, this like jump that all of the all that it feels like all of the Suns simultaneously made, like a lot of that credit goes to Chris Paul, um, and and I'm sure to Monty Williams too, who shout out to Tom Thibodeau who won who won the real Coach of the Year, but the coaches voted their peer Monty Williams as Coach of the Year. The Suns are good, man. I'm kind of convincing myself that the Suns are going to win in six, even though I w- I'm hoping it'll go to seven because I want seven games of the series. I think it has the potential to be awesome. The first quarter of this game was, like, some of the best basketball I've watched ever. Um, <laughs> it was just, like, highlight play after, like, made me, like, jump off the couch play to, like, you know, it was great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I got to say. I, I, 
I hope the Nuggets hang in there, but the Suns are looking good so far. So, in summary, Sixers over Hawks in six. Seven. Oh, seven, 76 years over Hawks in seven, yeah. Nets over Bucks in six. Nets over Bucks in five. Jazz over Clippers in six. Clippers over Jazz in seven. And then Suns over Nuggets in six. Suns over Nuggets in seven. All right. The NBA playoffs are going to be good. They are. Stay be tuned. Good. We'll we'll do another another episode hopefully before the finals. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm dude. excited too. Lots of good basketball to watch. Yeah, man. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Lore NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, we're also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. and I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Tibbs, Coach of the Year. Shout out to Joe Harris's agent. <laughs> <laughs>